With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lockaway channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pamper Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Hey, if you love Latina to Latina, and I know you do, and you want to support the show, it's as easy as listening on Radio Public, a free, super easy app that works on iPhone and Android. When you listen to Latina to Latina on Radio Public, we earn a little bit with every episode you hear. Thanks for listening and for loving the show. Life was changing and I could still feel that I was so heavy and so sad about things that happened in the past. And I had gotten to a point in my social media career where I was like, how do you make room for the sweet life, the good life, the fun, the new opportunities that are presenting themselves if you don't let go of all this heaviness that you've endured? And I, I, it was a crossroads for me that really changed my life. What would you do if you spent years battling a chronic illness only to find that nothing you tried made you feel better? That's where Francesca Medina found herself a few years back. So she dove into learning about alternative medicine, nutrition, and fitness. She made herself healthy again, and in the process transformed into an advocate for wellness and more conscious day-to-day living. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. What have you done to take care of yourself today? Oh, I slept in. Lovely. I really needed it. I don't feel guilty about sleeping in these days because I listen to my body. So I just had to give it what it needed. Nothing else mattered this morning. Was that always your approach? No. That became my approach after dealing with a chronic illness that kind of forced that approach on me. It was one of those things where you either give your body what it wants or it'll create a situation where you have no choice. You know, so much of the wellness space focuses on food and exercise, which are no doubt important, but I really want to talk about the mental component. Absolutely. Something you emphasize. Our culture is not known for their open grappling with mental health. Right. A lot of stigma around mental health. How did you overcome some of the more 
entrenched barriers or ideas that you might have had about mental health? I had always felt comfortable with my emotions. I think my biggest struggle was expressing them, trusting people with my vulnerability. I had never been around anyone who was vulnerable and okay with it. I mean, everything is pray about it or just, you know, go to sleep (laughs) or just let it go. I did see people grappling with it, but it manifested in alcoholism or drugs or aggressive behaviors, you know, in, in just ways that I knew for me I didn't want to continue those patterns. So I knew, I had the awareness that there was a connection between how people were feeling, what they were denying about how they were feeling, and how it was manifesting in their lives. And I saw that pretty young and pretty early on, and even the tragic responses to those feelings being suppressed. So I caught that, but I still didn't have the tools. And I think, funny enough, the internet, (laughs) which most people find to be brutal against mental health, was huge for me because I jumped on and it started off with me just discussing cool things like, hey, this is a cream I made. Like, maybe you guys want to try it. Or this is the hit because the natural hair boom was happening at the time. This is around 2010, 2009. Oh, I've watched your tutorials. Right. So, you know, it was like, these are the products that we're using. I was more of the, like, uh, green corner of the natural beauty community. And I remember when I put up my first mental hygiene video. And I remember the network I was signed to was like, whoa, let's not go there. (laughs) Just stick to, you know, the waterfalls you're used to. I even had someone tell me that, like, I subscribe to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, she that literally joke? tweeted that. I was a second lady. <laughs> <laughs> she literally was like, stick to the waterfalls, you know, stop chasing them. And I was just like, I want to discuss mental health, though. This is, I think I have this beautiful platform and I want to do more with it than leaving conditioners. You know, at the time, that's how I felt. I was grappling with a lot of my emotions and a lot of uh, opportunities and abundance and like life was changing and I and I could still feel that I was so heavy and so sad about things that happened in the past and I had gotten to a point in my social media career where I was like how do you make room for the sweet life the good life the fun the new opportunities that are presenting themselves if you don't let go of all this heaviness that you've endured. And I, I, it was a crossroads for me that really changed my life because I turned my entire brand into, we're going to deal with these feelings, y'all. Not just mine, but I wanted to be an example of how to do it. So let's talk about mental hygiene because mm-hmm. I understand dental hygiene. Right. Brush my teeth. Same <laughs> physical hygiene. I took a shower every other day. <laughs> I'm lucky. I got a kid. What does mental hygiene really look like? For me, the reason I love the term is that I think people look at mental health as something that you do when you're crashing. When things are already bad, it's like, oh, I have to be more mindful of my mental health. I have to put more time. But mental hygiene means just like you're brushing your teeth, it's a daily thing. I mean, you can skip it if you want, but you know it's going to make your day a little harder, right? If you don't shower. And everybody else's And everyone else's. (laughs) (laughs) So it's literally the same thing. You don't have to wait till things are bad. I meditate when things are great. I meditate when things are calm. I don't need to wait for the stress levels and cortisol to kick in. I don't want them to kick in. So I make it a a daily practice 
that fits in and is integrated to the rest of my daily hygiene. So that way I don't have to wait for things to kind of like hit me in the face. When to start a family is a really personal decision. Some of us want kids now, and some of us aren't sure if we'll ever want them. Before I got pregnant with my daughter, my friends and I would often talk about how we wished we knew more about our own fertility, because the not knowing only made decisions and plans more confusing. I wish at the time I'd had access to Modern Fertility's at-home hormone fertility test. I recently took their fertility quiz and explored their timeline tool. It helped me think about how many kids I want, when I plan to have them, and how my hormones play into those decisions. Modern Fertility is really convenient. They ship a kit to your home and a physician reviews your results, which arrive in a few days. Similar tests could run over $1,000 at a doctor's office, but Modern Fertility gives you access to this information for $159. And you can even use a work-flexible spending account or health savings account. In addition to your kit, Modern Fertility connects you with a fertility nurse. You can also join their weekly webinar and participate in their active online community. Most of all, Modern Fertility offers peace of mind by giving you knowledge and information to help inform some of life's biggest decisions. Tests are conducted in a CLIA-certified lab, and affiliated physicians and clinical advisors work at top fertility clinics. Visit modernfertility.com Latina. Take their fertility quiz and get $20 off your Modern Fertility test. That's modernfertility.com Latina to take the fertility quiz and get $20 off. modernfertility.com Latina. Let's talk about toxic people because mm-hmm. I think you and I are about the same age and I think we're grown enough to know when someone's toxic. But I think the harder piece, even as I get older, is really knowing how to get those people out of my life. Mm. Especially because I think there are people in your life who are toxic who don't intend to be toxic, who right. don't mean to be toxic, um, and who you may love other things about them. So what is your counsel for someone who has someone who, first of all, how do you identify it for someone who may not know? And then how do you extricate that person? Toxic people, though, it is an interesting topic for me because I've gone through several evolutions with that conversation. The first one being unconditional love, where I felt like, well, maybe I just have to see them differently. Love them harder. <laughs> love them harder. Love them through it. And there was a while where I actually loved toxic people because they felt familiar. I felt at home in their energy. And I kind of felt like, well, maybe this is just how people are. And this is just something that I have to figure out how to work around. And I allowed tons of different iterations of that personality type to come into my life and kind of made it my quote unquote spiritual practice to like figure out how to work with them. And that became very draining. <laughs> I bet. Oh, my goodness. Um, even my my dad you know he's someone that we don't connect unfortunately we just don't have that thing there's nothing there and that's a hard thing to accept when it's apparent because it's like we're supposed to like make this work you know you're my dad but there's really nothing there between us and a lot of it has to do with his own mental health that he has not confronted and I think that I'm a trigger for him I represent a lot of things that he hasn't worked through and so he prefers not seeing me, and I had to accept that. And that's hard. It was very hard. I cried hysterically the first day that I had hit him up, 
and was like kind of wanting to try again, asked him to dinner. And he basically was like, I'm very busy, but I had never said the day. So he was kind of letting me know, I'm just busy, (laughs) too busy for you. And that was hard, but it taught me a lot because I think I just had to accept that when I think of him, I don't feel good in my body. And that's hard to admit. By your own admission, he's a person who's toxic in your life, mm-hmm. who he set the terms of your relationship. Right. What do you do when you're the person who needs to set the boundary? Boundaries are super important. I think he like taught me that. I was actually impressed by his boundaries. He kind of knows like this here between us isn't going to work. He was kind of my first lesson in boundaries whether I agree with them or not. <laughs> that was something well, that... cancer heart just is right. hurting for you. <laughs> it helped me a lot because I learned about my own boundaries. Even, like I said, being drawn to, to- you know, quote-unquote, I don't even like to say toxic people. I just like to say people in toxic situations and that Smart. they don't have the tools to navigate through. I know that I've put in a lot of work in myself the past couple of years, and I just want to honor that. That's really what it comes down to. So it's not so much, I can't be around you because you're a mess, but it's more so I've cleaned up my mess and things are feeling good over here. So I kind of want to like put some gates around <laughs> where if But you... is that something you literally say to someone? Yeah, at this point. It took a while to get here. Absolutely. So I should just stop ghosting. That's not the way. To... Yeah, no. And obviously, I, like I said, I don't tell someone like, you're a mess. I can't have <laughs> you in my life. <laughs> but I just tell people something about our dynamic feels off to me. And so maybe we should explore why that is. I'm super woo-woo in that. My friends all know me, but at least I'm clear and... I'm also not surrounded by anyone at this point, thank God. And you're having the conversation in an I and we Mm -hmm. rather than in a you. Right, because it's never about the other person. It's about the dynamic. It's about how our energies interact. And I don't like to point fingers. It might just be an us thing. You know, maybe to someone else, you're amazing. They experience you differently. It could be me. I don't know. Sometimes we can't even see. But I just like to say something in our dynamic. Some friends will explore that with you. Well, let's figure out what's off. Maybe I haven't been communicating. Maybe you need something else. Can you tell me a little bit about when you realized you were sick? It was the morning I woke up, and I was in the bed and could not get out. It sort of felt like a brick was on my side. So I knew it was something serious and called someone who was very close to me at the time and told him I needed help. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to scare you, but I think I need to be taken to the hospital. And he did, and I was there for a while. And they were trying to figure out why my kidney was so infected and a lot of back and forth, a lot of different medications, and a lot of me just being so scared, realizing that I was so young, only 25. And at that moment, I didn't know what this meant but it was like an incredible wake-up call for me that I had put my career as way too much of a focus in my life. Because at the time you were a singer-songwriter? I was, yes. So you're pursuing your music? Yes. You're going hard? Super hard. Too hard. You get sick? Yes. And then the treatment you get from traditional doctors doesn't seem like it quite works? No. It worked as far as pain relief, but I wasn't getting better. A year had passed. I could barely shower by myself. (laughs) All the little day-to-day things that we tend to overlook, I couldn't even do those. And I just didn't know in the long run how I'd be able to live that way. 
Did anyone in your family come from an alternative medicine or healing practice? Not at all. And they thought I was crazy because I had a surgery that was scheduled for that August and the doctor didn't look at me in my face. I don't know why that bothered me so much in that moment, but he never looked me in the face. And I remember thinking, he just told me something that is life-altering for me at the age of 25 about me having uh, the need to have a catheter inserted surgically. And it was nothing to him. I just was another name on the clipboard, on the list. And something about that sort of made me feel like I don't want to do this with them and I don't want to be here and I'm going to figure out how to heal myself. And I bought a juicer. (laughs) I told my mom buying a juicer and she was like what are you talking about? Now's not the time to play games. You don't know anything about the body and healing yourself. Just do the surgery. We'll talk about a juicer after. And I told her, I don't know. I just felt it. This is an initiation into a different way of thinking. It was like a paradigm shift, and I felt that I had to say no in that moment. But that's scary. I mean, you're getting medical information off the internet. Well, no, I wasn't getting it off the internet at that point. I was around a lot of amazing healers. They weren't my family, but they were healers that have traveled the world. Obviously, people might look at them as like woo-woo or, you know. Where did you find them? um, I just had friends that they had just always kind of dibbled and dabbled in that world. And then it was just clear as day. One of my closest friends at the time, he was getting heavily into studying herbs. And he was kind of like, let's go to Canal Street (laughs) to Chinatown. And I know this herbalist. He can make teas for you. And then from that, uh, that herbalist introduced acupuncture into my life and taught me about the meridians and Chinese medicine and really how empowering it was to kind of like do my own research and not so much internet based. But he gave me books and was like, read this, try this, try this herb. And everything was trial and error. Obviously, some things worked. Most things didn't. But I loved this newfound life of fix it yourself, figure it out, you know, because no one else was doing it for me. So. And how long did it take before you started feeling better? I started feeling better three months after I started drinking all those herbs. They smelled so horribly. <laughs> I remember my mom coming in and being like, I hope this works because this is awful. <laughs> it was really potent, but it changed my life. So as you started your healing practice, your personal healing practice, what was the hardest habit to break? Not listening to people so much because, like, only I could feel what I was feeling. No one else could tell me anything. But my mind was still panicky over, you know, maybe I should have done the surgery or just a lot of little fears kind of kicked in. But like I said, it was an initiation because everything worked out perfectly and the opposite happened the people in my life kind of viewed me differently they were like you're awesome (laughs) you're awesome for the fact that you really do march to the beat of your own drum and you figured it out for yourself and what initially had felt like a rock bottom was literally a new foundation for an entirely new life did your cultural upbringing and culinary or health practices ever come into conflict with your new lifestyle Absolutely. Are you kidding? It still is that way. (laughs) For some reason in my family, they're cool about it now, but obviously at the time it was like, oh, you're Hollywood, now you're vegan, (laughs) you're vegetarian. Listen, my aunt 
I love her. She's the best person in the entire world. When I was a vegetarian, she would make me chicken all the time. She'd be yes. like, because you're a vegetarian. <laughs> I was like, no, it doesn't mean that. they'd be like, well, you eat fish, right? I'm like, I, I don't. <laughs> they took it personal yeah, for some of course. reason. Yeah, especially my grandmother. She was just like, what do you mean? Like, this is some American thing. And it was hard for me to explain that I was doing it because I felt better not eating certain things. And, of course, I miss certain things. Like, the Goya products, the seasoning, adobo, you know, all the stuff. It's like I missed not having that around, but I knew for me at the moment this is what I had to do because I was just testing it out too. I wasn't sitting there like now I'm doing this forever, but I just had to try different things and kind of see and narrow down what was making me so sick. So I got to ask a response to that question. You're Dominican, Haitian, Puerto Rican. Yes. Grew up in Harlem. Yes. And then you go to Oberlin for college. Wow, yes. <laughs> that same cultural rift, when you first came back from Oberlin, which is predominantly white. Yeah. Did you feel any of that tension when you came home again? Not so much when I came home. I think it was more so when I made the decision to leave in the first place. Tell me about that. Um, my mom went into a depression. She had to take off from work and was on a couch suffering in a way that I did not anticipate. I had no idea that that decision would affect her. Now, obviously, in hindsight, I see she had dedicated so much of herself, and it was more so a new shift for her. Like, what is life without my everything? (laughs) Which was great at the time, because once she got over that hump, she had to pour into herself, and it was like, Mom, this is a good thing, you know, and and she was able to appreciate the time she now had and the finances that had opened up and even the space in her home. But a lot of my family didn't understand why I was going to Ohio or like why college was even an option. They're like, just get a job, you know, it's so stressful financially on my parents and and on me because obviously I was working like three jobs on campus, they kind of just didn't understand why I was overwhelming myself the way that I was. But I wanted to try it, you know, and no one in my family had had a degree. So I thought that it would be good for me to at least try it and even set that tone for the younger ones and show them that it's an option, if anything. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. 
You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&Ms for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. If you have a little one in your life, I'm guessing you have a Paw Patrol fan on your hands. So get excited. There's a brand new episode Friday, March 15th on Nickelodeon featuring Tracker, the jungle pup who, wait for it, speaks Spanish. One moment. I hear a banana being peeled and the ting ting of something metal banging against the tree trunk. I like watching Paw Patrol with my daughter because each episode has great lessons about bravery, but things never get too scary. You and your little Paw Patrol fan won't want to miss Tracker, the Spanish-speaking pup. Catch a brand new episode on March 15th on Nickelodeon at 12, 11 central. Muchas gracias! Friend, what do you do when you are feeling overwhelmed or stuck? Solitude. That's my go-to. The only time I'm feeling overwhelmed or stuck is if, as I said earlier, I'm listening to too many people. So what does solitude look like for you? I like to spend a lot of time in the dark. I really do. There's something so healing about it. Even now, like I've been traveling for weeks. I've had three tours. I'm so blessed, so thankful, so grateful. But I was born out. And when I got home, the first thing I did was not turn on any lights. But I'm a tourist, so I love sensory stimulation so give me some like dim lighting maybe even some colors I have a light bulb that has a remote control with a color wheel of course you do of course I do and it changes my apartment to whatever my mood is resins so scents are really important to me really grounding scents like frankincense and vetiver good food (laughs) tons of good food so literally I indulge I indulge in my senses and it's very sensual But I've learned that sensuality is what calms me. And that's sort of been my practice. I give myself a day of just indulging and being silent. That's a big one. Not talking and not being spoken to for 24 hours. Game changing. And you mentioned your activation tour. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Oh, what a blessing. I have a lot. Seems really cool. Oh, it's awesome. I have a lot of practitioners, like I mentioned, who are my friends study herbs, Reiki, like feelings and energy you've suppressed in your body, different modalities to release them. Um, These are like certified modalities. These are women who have studied these practices and traveled the world and have their own schools. And they, I was blessed enough that I was like, yo, let's go on tour. Let's go to cities and meet women where we get to work with them. And sometimes People will overlook that they have the right to put themselves first. They have the right to create the boundaries. And I think these were conversations that needed to be had, especially with women, especially with women of color. And I was so thankful that we were able to do that for three years. 
I'm not being rude looking at my phone. I'm pulling up this um, this quote from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah. Um, she wrote, I think it was on her Insta story. She wrote, I also find conversations about self-care emotionally challenging when you come from an immigrant, poor, or working class background. My mother was a housekeeper and worked herself to the bone so that I could go to college. She denied herself a lot. So I feel a lot of guilt thinking about taking a day off, doing a face mask, or having a nice dinner with friends. Right. I can relate, <laughs> especially who, being who among an immigrant. Us can't. Yeah, yeah, but I think what has been beautiful is that I've learned that that's a program. That was my mom's storyline, and she did all of that so that I wouldn't have to. And so now, when I indulge in my masks and my self care, because at the end of the day, my mom is exhausted. She's burnt out. She's proud of what she sacrificed, but she's also battling a lot physically mentally because it's taking its toll and now we're working on her which is a blessing but I also learning to avoid those same steps well it's interesting we do this mythologizing of immigrant women Mm -hmm. where their hard work and their sacrifice is honored as it should be right but then we almost make an idol of that right as though that is the only And an identity of it, which I think is tough because my mom didn't choose to work that hard. She had no choice at the time. That's the only lane that was available to her was to come to to the States and work in a factory and the cleaning offices and hotels and radio stations. And she just kind of did what she had to do. I'm not in that place. Thank God that she... She worked through it enough where now I'm in a different position. And my favorite part is that now all my self-care tools, I'm like, Mom, you got to jump in on this. <laughs> like, What does self-care look like when you don't have a lot of disposable income? Scheduling more sleep. Scheduling more time by yourself. Most of my self-care doesn't I have anything. I love that you say scheduling. Because that is exactly what has to happen. Absolutely. It's prioritizing. It's just a shift in how you prioritize your time. And I know for a lot of people, time management is difficult, especially if you're in a marriage or you have children or you have a nine to five. But And not just a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's that and then there's the aspiration and the ambition and this push to grind it out. There, I believe that there's become now an expectation, and I have bought into it, admittedly, mm-hmm. that you can only be great by going really hard. Right. And I don't play into that at all because all of my peers that are, quote unquote, grinding it out are running on fumes. And there are scientific studies that show that your brain literally receives information on what steps you should take next when you are relaxed, not when you're grinding it out. I get my ideas when I'm on the beach. (laughs) I get my ideas when I'm hanging with my friends. Honestly, most of my ideas for the tours or what to do next have been from being on the couch with a blanket and a cup of lavender tea talking to my favorite friends and being like, oh, my God, that's what I have to do next. (laughs) It's never been when I'm on the road. It's never been when I'm on the flight going super hard. And so I've learned that I have to make time for my brain to relax. My peers always crack up because they're like, you just are always chilling. They call me cozy. 
That's like my nickname. I'm super cozy, but like cozy. I'm just that. that. Yeah, I'm just as successful. It's just a sort of a different way of looking at how you will reach that success. You've made your black identity part of the overall message in your work. Why was that important to you? It was important because it just feels overlooked in so many spaces. Yep. I've just never felt compelled to be like, hey, give me a space, give me a slot. I was like, well, I'm going to create it myself as much as I can. <laughs> so for me, it was more so what was missing. I just found the colors to paint inside of it and, and create new opportunities. And my goal with whether it was blogging or YouTubing or touring, because even with the touring at the time, there had never been a tour where women of color are touring focusing on spirituality and wellness at this capacity where the tour was like over six figures and it was with sponsors and I had never seen anyone do it. It's a very whitewashed space, you know, especially in the wellness field. So that was huge for us. Yep. And then after we did it, massive tours started popping up. And so I just felt thankful. Like sometimes you might think that you're doing something that's your next step, but it really is just pushing the ceiling even higher and higher and higher. And I've sort of been excited to jump into these new opportunities, especially in the wellness and digital space in general. Like, we're developing this thing as we go. A lot of us don't even know what's next. <laughs> we're kind of going with it. So I'm just thankful that I'm creating opportunities for women of color as I move. Fran, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co-created with Bustle. Now the podcast is owned and executive produced by Juleka Lentigua-Williams and me. Maria Muriel was the sound designer on this episode. We want to hear from you. Tell us who you want to hear from and how you're making the show a part of your life. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. 